I'm Archbishop Alan Vigneron of the Archdiocese of Detroit, and this is the Eyes on Jesus podcast. Hi, and welcome to Eyes on Jesus podcast with Archbishop Alan Vigneron. I'm your host, Mike Chamberlain. And I am your host, Mary Wilkerson. We are excited to release new episodes once a month, so please make sure to subscribe and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Archbishop, welcome, and thanks so much for joining us. How have you been? I've been very well, thanks. Uh, very grateful that uh, uh, spring and really now summer is finally arrived yes. and that uh, we're getting back to normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know it was a big deal that, uh, in Michigan just uh, just recently, or by the time you're listening to this podcast, for sure, uh, they just kind of lifted more of the mandates, and that's that's just great. It feels much uh, better to be out and about without masks, and things are opening up, and it's starting to feel normal again, which is beautiful. It is. Uh, some of my priests, though, have been reminding all of us, especially us pastors, uh, to be attentive to what uh, some are calling COVID fatigue, mm-hmm. that uh, you can get back to normal uh, activity, but uh, it's going to take time, some time for people to get back to normal attitudes and normal right. feelings. Uh, we've been through a lot. Yeah. It's funny. My girlfriend said the same thing to me. We were talking and it just it seems a little surreal as you're noticing different things lifting up. And like Mike said, you're going, you know, to stores and things without masks on. It's just, it's crazy to look back at what the last year and a half has been. You know, it's been, it's been quite the journey we have moved (laughs) through together. (laughs) Indeed. And you know, Mary, uh, when uh, Father mentioned this uh, analogy with, uh, you know, the stress that can even come sometimes with combat, it occurred to me that we particularly need to pray for the to the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. uh, who can heal uh, everything that's wounded in our own spirits. Sure. Well, and even some of the anxiety that we've just kind of oh, lived yeah. with, even the subconscious stuff that we're not certain of. You know, I know a lot of people have said it. It just seems even to some people funny going out and talking to people, and just it's hard to to just resume to normal when you know, psychologically and emotionally and spiritually, there's there's been a bit of a battle the last few months. So Yeah. Mm. Well, Archbishop, I know, speaking of COVID, obviously, one of the major, I would say, tolls, but also um, kind of shining moments for us as a Catholic Church has been our schools. You know, obviously our schools, many of them completed or they have completed school at this point, uh, obviously going from from March all the way through an entire Catholic school year uh, during a pandemic. And like I said, it was a kind of a, we've talked about this before on our podcast, it was a shining moment for a lot of our Catholic schools. They really um, came came right up and they stepped up to the plate and they they knocked it out of the park, so to speak. You know, did you have any specific message for, this for students or teachers or school families, administrators? Yeah, for all of them. I mean, uh, it took a lot of generosity and uh, bold spirit on the parts of all those constituencies uh, to be able to uh, keep going and mm-hmm. have a still keep the apostolate, the ministry moving forward. Particularly, I, I give praise to God for our principals and our teachers. Yeah. We know that Uh, they're very generous and they make tremendous sacrifices to be engaged in this ministry Mm -hmm. and uh, they went to a new level of self-offering these days 
Absolutely. It was neat to see, and I know so many of them just shared reflections, even on, you know, social media, what it felt like to finish the year and knowing that they had completed it, you know, that mm-hmm. they really felt like they did <laughs> a big task this year. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. The other thing that I, I was uh, following now that we are in the digital age, which we're going to be talking a little bit about, it's it's easy to kind of get updates of some of your happenings in the month of June. And we know that you met with the U.S. bishops in uh, for your June meeting. And uh, it was neat to kind of follow along with some of those discussions online. What's your reflection from the time that you had together with your brother bishops? I think uh, these three points for sure. Uh, One, the intensity with which uh, all of us seek to serve the people of God and advance uh, the church's salvation, the members' Mm -hmm. salvation. Um, We don't all agree on every point, uh, but we do agree on that. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, I was very impressed at what a strong... uh, witness to the Holy Eucharist and Eucharistic coherence uh, was demonstrated by the bishops at the meeting. Mm. Uh, One other point I think is really important is uh, to uh, ask people to think about the two causes for canonization that were uh, uh, endorsed uh, going as as opportune. That's really what a bishop's conference can do. But uh, uh, really a heroic priest and a heroic monk uh, the, the, that's what the life of the church is about, is uh, uh, letting the Holy Spirit do these great deeds in our lives. Yeah. For listeners who might not know, which, who, which two causes were kind of before your... Yeah, you know, I'm sorry, I don't have the names in front of me. <laughs> that's okay, but that's one, what Google uh, is for. <laughs> one was a, a, a priest uh-huh. uh, who uh, had t- been taken as a prisoner of war, Uh, in the Second World War and uh, did heroic acts of charity during uh, uh, his imprisonment, Mm -hmm. uh, giving up his own food, uh, refusing to uh, escape because his parishioners, his, quote, boys, needed him. And then he was put on a ship, uh, a Japanese ship, a prison ship, which was, unbeknownst to the U.S. submarine, uh, torpedoed. They didn't know what they were doing. Uh, And he stayed on the ship to the end, uh, helping his men escape. Um, Just, uh, I want to be a priest like that when I grow up. (laughs) Those heroic stories give us such courage, you know, when when we consider our own life and our own walk of holiness. So that's beautiful. And the other was uh, a man, uh, his name in religion was Marinos. uh, I think I recall his baptism name was Leonard. He was a captain in the Merchant Marine. And during the Korean War, he uh, had command of a ship that under terrible fire danger went into a harbor to rescue refugees and take them away. And uh, there are over, I think they told us, over two million people who are descended from those uh, uh, escapees that he heroically uh, took away from the war zone and brought to safety over Christmas. Wow, that is absolutely beautiful. So you guys meet, how many days did you meet? Uh, Three. Okay, and you'll meet again in October? Is that what you do October? No, uh, okay. November, November. November, okay, awesome. It's good to see the good work being done, and, and I love that you pointed out, too, just this, you know, that we're all in it together, you know, <laughs> ministering and, and living in, in the 
in 2021 can be challenging sometimes, but the goals are sometimes Mary. (laughs) I mean, literally every second of every day. (laughs) No, but it's, it's good to remind ourselves that we're all kind of on the same team, you know, and, and trying to advance things in the best way in sometimes complicated realities. So awesome. Well, we were praying for you while you were at those meetings. Thank you. I I know I had a lot of prayers behind me. Absolutely. Well, I'm excited about our topic today because it's something that um, has always been a passion of mine, the digital continent and how we um, minister and operate within the digital continent, this wonderful land that provides its unique blessings and challenges. And we are so lucky because you just recently um, wrote your newest pastoral note called The Beauty of Truth communicating truth and love in the digital age. It's your eighth pastoral note examining topics relevant to modern culture and society through the eyes of Unleash the Gospel, your pastoral letter that you released at Pentecost 2017. You open the piece by sharing what you hope to accomplish in its writing. And there you say, I would like to offer the church's wisdom about what it means to speak the truth in love, to seek and receive the truth, and to live in loving communion with him who is the way, the truth, and the life by means of virtuous communication. Can you talk a little bit about these goals and what motivated your writing of this topic um, now? Why did you decide to write it now? Well, it seemed an appropriate moment, particularly uh, with the ever-growing reliance that we all have on digital communications, especially Uh, In uh, these days of COVID, uh, I think we've become even more reliant on uh, digital media uh, because of uh, the the months we've uh, been separated physically from one another. Mm -hmm. Um, In some sense, it's a perennial goal. Uh, It's always about using the good things of God's creation to advance uh, his kingdom uh, of grace. Uh, and that's always our challenge as as disciples of Jesus. Uh, by nature, God made us, uh, you know, uh, in His image and likeness. Which uh, you, a lot of ways of uh, parsing that, but one of the ways is that we are agents of truth. Uh, we speak the truth. Uh, God the Father Himself is from all eternity been speaking His Word, the Son, and. We imitate God in that in so many ways, and we need to avoid the vices that can mm-hmm. come from abusing our capacity to speak, uh, when we, uh, and we need to find ways to do it virtuously. Yeah. I mean, I know that's a little formal, but it's, it's sort of the very basic dimensions of, of what's going on. And the church has wisdom about how to use uh, the good things of creation Mm-hmm. And uh, I wanted to offer some of that because I think we're being challenged. Uh, there are a lot of ways to fall into bad habits. Uh, mm-hmm. I mentioned some of them toward the end of, of the letter. Yeah. Mm. But most importantly, uh, we have an opportunity to open up the truth to one another. I mean, that's, that's what communication is about. I mean, who would, how, what, what, to how unloving it would be to offer somebody a counterfeit, mm. to offer them something that's false. But to give somebody the truth, that's, that's the best thing you can give them. And it's the basis of community. You can't have a real community based on, on lies. Mm. Mm. 
Yeah, I know it, it seems so so fundamental what you're what you're expressing. You know, where you you said um, uh, I forget the word you used earlier, but yeah, I mean, it, it can seem so basic. But sometimes I think when we're in times of distress, you have to go back and look at the fundamentals. And sometimes so we've true. just forgotten that we've forgotten the the fundamental details. And it, it has huge ramifications, especially with our communication technologies being what they are today. So, you know, Archbishop, I know that, that the letter itself uh, was released on June 11th, the Solemnity of the Most Sacred Heart of Jesus. Was there a significance or obviously was that, I'm guessing that was done purposefully. I didn't know if you mind sharing uh, the purpose behind that and your significance behind that. I see the significance behind it, Mike, as uh, something that... Uh, was phrased this way by St. John Henry Newman, heart speaks to heart. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what uh, we need to use the digital communications for. Uh, we need to speak from our heart to the hearts of other people. Mm. Uh, and when we do that, we participate in, in the very outpouring of the love of the heart of Christ. Mm. And I think we need to remember that about what, what goes on. And we can wound people's hearts too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. By the way, we m might misuse uh, digital media. Yeah. I think I, I love that you said heart speaks to heart. It's such a, I, I, I found this letter to be <laughs> quite prophetic because I do think there's a real challenge in making sure that we are being intentional and careful with the way that we use digital me digital media because sometimes we can separate it from that heart speaks to heart you know there's there's it seems maybe far away or it's easier to write in a cutting way things that you would never say to a person you know face to face because you would you're, you're looking at a face and you don't want to wound somebody but sometimes in the digital continent that can get a little murky I and I like that you call us to remember that. There are people uh, yeah. on yes. the digital continent, uh, yes. not just uh, uh, computer. Uh, right. Yeah. Ones and zeros. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like human beings. And you say that later on in the letter to remember that it's people talking to people. So I like that you started out. There's an entire section of the note dedicated to discussing how the word of God became flesh and what that means for our faith and our responsibility to speak words of truth. This section seems to set forth a foundation for the rest of the piece, centering us on what is important and on the example of that we should follow in all of our communications. What other messages or lessons were you trying to convey here when you talked about the word becoming flesh and, and what words mean? Well, uh, that this is a, a, a hope above all to communicate the capacity to speak, uh, to communicate is uh, something that is part of the being in the image and likeness of God, particularly in the image and likeness of God the Son, uh, who, after whom we're to be configured in grace. So uh, that, that this, is, this is something sacred when, for us to, to express ourselves. Mm -hmm. and, and when we do it, uh, we give, when we do it uh, according to our vocation as mm -hmm. God's daughters and sons, we glorify the Father along with Jesus, and and so that's why uh, <clears throat> that's that's why we need to be careful and avoid the pitfall. Yeah. Another one. Uh, that's part of my responsibility as a priest to uh, do the best I can. But it, it's to point out uh, the healthy path, the right path, the path of light, but also to warn against the path uh, that leads to uh, leads to perdition, as Jesus yep. says. 
you say right in the, the very beginning of the letter, and I underlined it because it was so simple but yet so powerful, you said words we see or hear have some consequences, psychological, emotional, or spiritual. But then you said that's the way God made us, right? <laughs> like we're, we're made to receive words and to hear words and to have them impact us. And so, of course, this, this work of, of speaking or communicating, it's, it's God's work, and it's, it's a profound you know, um, uniting with the Son to be able to spread his love. Right, it's a it's a sacred trust. This yeah. capacity to speak, yeah. to express ourselves, and you think about uh, sometimes even uh, an inadvertent word, uh, the harm that it can do, mm. especially in in close relationships. But uh, not just there, and we owe this to everybody. Yeah. Mm. You know, as a good father, uh, Archbishop, you, you're. You're doing what good fathers do, which is to remind their children, their their and their faithful that uh, of their calling, of their dignity, of who they are. And I think by starting with speaking about um, Christ as the Word and that God is Himself, truth and communicating truth, you're reminding us that we're meant to be part partakers in that, participants in His own truth and His own love and communication. So I just really appreciate that. I know at one point you also write that hearing the voice of Jesus has become increasingly difficult amid the cacophony of other voices clamoring for our attention at times. Our job as faithful Catholics is to employ discerning hearts and minds to identify and avoid problematic media that typically harm and cause um, harm the cause for truth and good in the human soul. Can you kind of expand on this idea and like what, what kind of discourse were you more specifically referring to? You know, what kind of harm do you see it causing? Well, I think uh, discourse that doesn't take into account the good of the other mm -hmm. and uh, simply wants to win an argument, that, yeah. that can be very uh, detrimental to the cause of sharing the light that comes from, from speech, from, from communication. Uh, do I have in mind uh, a humble service of the salvation of other people? Uh, I think that that's uh, very important. Mm. What kind of discourse? Uh, I'd say discourse that's motivated uh, by an unfettered anger, mm. uh, discourse that manipulates. Mm -hmm. Th those are uh, things to be avoided, certainly. Yeah. It's a really good thing to point out. I know that as we kind of moved into the summer, it seemed there was so much division coming. You know, we were living in a pandemic, and then there was kind of this racial uh, reckoning on top of the election. And, and it did, for me, I went through a period of time where it was it, there was confusion, you know, and, and confusion isn't necessarily from God, you know. And, and I really needed to step away from um, all the noise on social media because I was finding my own mind, you know, being bogged down by what is truth and really a difficulty in hearing Jesus's voice, which is a, I mean, it's a scary reality that sometimes happens when we're too immersed in all of the noise of social media, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And this, I'm not saying that what needs to happen is that we cover up disagreements right, right. through uh, our use of uh, media. Yeah. But how do we go about those mm -hmm. disagreements? Yep. Yeah. Do we have confidence in two things? One, that uh, the power of what God has made in God's own actions mm. are uh, strong enough that they will eventually show themselves up, mm. uh, that uh, the truth is more powerful uh, than... Uh, obfuscation, uh, 
so have confidence in uh, the disclosure of the good itself, mm. because that's the way God made the world, yeah. and have confidence in the triumph of uh, Christ the, our Lord, mm -hmm. that uh, we don't need to be desperate. Mm. I mean, things can be very, very difficult. I mean, we mm. have been through very difficult times. Yeah. But, uh, you know, in these days we're having the... Uh, feast days of some martyrs, uh, uh, Thomas More, John Fisher, St. Peter, St. Paul, they were in desperate straits, mm -hmm. but they didn't despair. They had confidence that Christ's truth would triumph. And so uh, one of my priest friends says, don't panic. <laughs> I think that's really important. In, in I the feel way. like Mike and my husband have to say that to me all the time. <laughs> it is okay. <laughs> Do not panic. Well, uh, uh, the, uh, the, uh, our Lord said uh, to the great mystic uh, uh, Juliana of Norwich, all will be well. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was uh, centuries ago. Yeah. And uh, in the last century, he told uh, St. Faustina to tell everybody to say to him, my Jesus, I trust in you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I will tell you, that's that was one of my big prayers of the summer is I would start every morning by just repeating that, you know, that, um, and I think I, I've told you this before, but in this podcast, I think you've done a really good job reminding us that God is in control working for our good, you know, even when sometimes things can seem so divisive and difficult, there's, our God is working towards our good at all times. For, for those who confidence. love God, all things work unto the good. Yeah, and so good. even what looks like the most uh, blatant uh, triumph of uh, Lucifer, mm -hmm. uh, he, he turns that upside down if we put it into his hands. That's, That's what so martyrdom good. means. Mm -hmm. and, and honestly, uh, if you want to be a Christian, you have to understand that you belong to a church that uh, for which martyrdom is the is the exemplar. It's the paradigm. Mm. Uh, we need, you know, that that's what you're getting into. Jesus I mean. said it. <laughs> well, and I'm glad you're, you're no saying pressure. that before. Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> as, we, uh, <laughs> as we move into the next thing that I wanted to talk about is that uh, you have laid out in this document five different kind of red flags or things to look at. And I think they're so good and it ties to what you're saying because one of the things that I kept thinking as I read through your letter is with the amount of kind of confusion and noise that can come with the digital age, we need to be so intentional and prayerful about how we're posting the things that we're consuming that it really takes an, a, an effort and a discipline yes. to be able to provide or to be to try to be a voice of truth in a somewhat hostile environment, which the digital age appears to be. And so you wrote these five uh, red flags and they're so practical and they're so good. So can you tell us a little bit about the red flags and maybe which ones you felt that are, are, are real dangers for the faithful um, and different things that we can do to kind of uh, maneuver around some of these red flags versus falling into them. Because I know every single one of them, I was like, oh, I've done that before. Oops, oops, oops. So Well, I think uh, they yeah. are all important. Uh, yeah. And uh, I mean, uh, I presume at the end, you're going to tell people how to 
access the the text itself at the yep. website. Yep. But I'd urge people to look at at that. I mean, the first one is drawn right to, from the tradition of uh, uh, Christian spiritual theology. Mm-hmm. If it contradicts the teachings of the church, it's wrong. You just right. need to know that. Yeah. Uh, God doesn't contradict Himself. I mean. Part of the an integral part of the active Catholic Christian faith is I believe these and all the truths which the Holy Catholic Church teaches, because mm. you God have revealed them and you don't lie, mm-hmm. and so we can have confidence about that. Yeah. Uh, unsubstantiated claims or allegations. Uh, this is an easy thing to have happen in the digital age uh, because everybody has so much yeah. power. Uh, through uh, electronic media. And so it's easy to get rumors going that that aren't substantiated. And then the next Mm -hmm. thing is for somebody who sees it to pass it along and say, did you see? Uh, uh, And uh, it just grows. And you know, the classic uh, example used by preachers uh, for somebody who uh, is a gossip, uh, the, uh, the confessor says, your penance is to take a pillow, open it up, throw the feathers out on top of the hill, and then go pick them all back up. <laughs> I mean that, that, and where once that might have been the case in a village square or uh, in a, a town square, yeah. uh, it, it's it, the capacity for the feathers to fly is so uh, amp, uh, so much amplified. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, manipulation of facts. It can be a true fact, an accurate fact, but uh, put into a context that uh, makes an argument that really is is not uh, not accurate, not not mm-hmm. not true, mm-hmm. and uh, that needs to be uh, attended to. And in the letter, I, I quote something from uh, our Holy Father, Pope Francis, who who on a number of occasions has addressed this issue of our responsibility, our vocation in the digital age. Mm-hmm. And it's really about a vocation to to build up. Mm. Uh, St. Paul says, say only the good things men need to hear. Mm. We, we have that obligation. Yeah. Um, ad hominem attacks, uh, that uh, when it stops being about the matter to be discussed and uh, motives are impugned to people that aren't fair, Mm-hmm. that aren't accurate, mm-hmm. uh, that, that's very destructive. And perhaps the, the most uh, pressing as I look at things is uh, our digital communications that uh, are divisive, mm-hmm. that uh, don't take into account the, um, the consequences of the argument being put forward and, and don't think about the responsibility to uh, that, that we are all brothers and sisters and yeah. uh, we have to build one another up. I mean, I think in a family you could see that. You, you can say things uh, that uh, accurately reflect my feelings, yep. but in the end it can be very hurtful. Yeah. And each of us has a responsibility to build up the unity of the church, mm. not to lie. That's not, uh, I'm not talking about propagating falsehood. Sure, but uh, to uh, to speak in such a way that there's obvious charity and uh, an obvious taking into account uh, 
the good in the other person with whom I'm engaged. You know, this is not a new challenge. Uh, mm. This is something uh, drilled into my head in my philosophy studies mm. about St. Thomas Aquinas. I mean, he had uh, very, very significant uh, disagreements with mm. many thinkers, mm -hmm. but he always presented what they had to say in the best possible light. Mm -hmm. because he had confidence in the truth wherever the light shone itself mm -hmm. i like that last part that you said that he had he had confidence in the truth because i i remember even when i was in college i was i don't know i think we were at the march for life and there were some people that were pretty anti-catholic you know handing out their tracts on the streets and and i got so worked up about it because they were saying really awful things and i remember somebody said to me like you actually you don't need to get emotionally upset about it you know you could want to seek truth but when you have confidence in the truth those things don't have to throw you off your game you know and i think that's really true even in the digital age we can see such things sometimes at least me i'll, I'll only speak for myself it it emotionally uh, stirs up discord in me and uh and there's not really a need for that if we pray through that, right? Because we have confidence in truth. We have confidence that God is in control, um, that love prevails over hate or over division, and that division is really the work of Satan. And if we remind ourselves of that truth, we can have, um, I don't know, we can almost come, come at the digital aid more in a more clear-headed way. Yeah, um, I mean, I think, uh, it, and I mentioned this in the pastoral note, mm -hmm. the example of our Lord himself before Pilate, mm -hmm. you know, Yes. Uh, with serenity, simply saying, this is why I came into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Mm -hmm. And uh, we do that, uh, and by our confidence, uh, we advance the kingdom of truth. Because truth is another name for what is. Right. Truth is not some detached thing in a, in a balloon in a comic strip. <laughs> the <laughs> truth is what is as it shows itself up to us. Mm -hmm. And God made the world so that things will show themselves up for what they are. Mm. That's part yeah. of their beauty, yep. that you can look at them and, 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 and recognize them and think about them and, and see them. Mm. You know, as you're reflecting on this, uh, uh, this truth, I mean, I, I'm kind of just reminded about the... Um, just like a true sense of humility is to understand and rest in that truth that you're not God, of course, that God is himself truth and to have that confidence and that kind of trust. And that really breeds like true humility kind of breeds a, a fearlessness. Um, mm. And when you're fearless, you don't have to resort to ad hominem attacks and a spirit of division and substantiated claims and like all of these red flags we've mentioned, uh, like they're kind of more diabolical, right? They're, they're signs of um, something that's anti-Christ and anti-truth and anti beauty and goodness. And, um, and it's unfortunate because I think a lot of that's driven by a, a fearfulness. Um, whereas if we're humble before God, there's kind of a resting in that truth and you don't have a need. You, you, you have confidence in that truth, like you were saying, Archbishop, you know, and, you know, that brings me actually to, I'm sorry, were you going to say I'm, something? Uh, yeah, yeah, Mike, I, I just think that well, you have touched on something that is uh, uh, really significant and can be used as uh, sort of the, the pole star, the compass point fear mm -hmm. if, mm -hmm. if if you're afraid of anything but but god and mm -hmm. we mean fear of god in the way the scripture understands it mm -hmm. awe but if you have any other kind of fear out of which you're acting you're act it, it, it the, that's the danger signal mm -hmm. fear is useless our lord said how many times 
did he say and and saint john paul repeat be not afraid mm. if if something if i'm being if if i'm being moved by fear that's the danger signal yeah and I, and i even just all of what we've been speaking about it can sound quite negative speaking about the digital continent you know there's there's definitely a lot of uh, diabolical things going on there there's a lot of uh, unrest there's a lot of harm but at the same time it is neutral in and of itself, right? This digital continent, this this space that we can utilize for the good to communicate. And I know you also speak to that in your pastoral note as well. And so I wanted to kind of turn us and maybe look at the other, flip the coin, so to speak, and look at the other side of how we can use media and use it with charity and truth and with that that humble fearlessness rather than fearfulness. Um, you know, why, why do you think that's important for us to keep in mind, Archbishop? And um, I know you kind of go to speak to the positive side, but you know why is it you think we lose sight of that fact, and why is it important that we keep the positive aspect in mind as well? Well, first of all, it's important to keep it in mind because this is <clears throat> something that comes from the Creator, and uh, we need to use all the good things of creation according to the will of God. And in fact, by doing that, we uh, release creation from its bondage uh, to Satan, and uh, bring it into the new creation. You know, St. Paul says, all creation groans until now. So we got to help it get, get through its birth pangs. I mean, that, that's a very uh, elevated way of talking about it. But it's a, an important means for us. I mentioned in the letter, uh, in the note, St. Paul had the, the Roman road system as a a neutral medium. Now, people used it for a lot of purposes. Paul used it to get around and uh, plant the church. Mm -hmm. uh, the press, uh, early on in, in the Renaissance, and most recently in our life, we could look to the way that St. Maximilian used the press. I mean, it was abused by uh, Nazi propagandists, but St. Maximilian used it for the glory of God. Mm. <clears throat> the digital media can be used uh, for a lot of... Uh, nefarious purposes, yeah. but it can also be used for the, for God's glory. And I think it can be used, it seems to me it falls into two ways to be used. There are ways to be on uh, the platform, to be engaged in it, that are actually more broadly focused. I mean, mm -hmm. we use it here in the Archdiocese with, uh, uh, well, this uh, podcast yeah, is one podcast. example of that. Mm -hmm. yeah. But all the things we put on the website, and, and there are lots of very fine things used that way that are, you might say, more broadcast, cast out more broadly. Mm -hmm. But I think a, a really important way to use the digital media is one-on-one. -on -one. And I don't know if we've uh, uh, thought enough about that. <clears throat> mm -hmm. uh, when uh, grandparents uh, uh, FaceTime their grandkids, or, uh, I mean, you can come up with a hundred ways of right. people are use the media uh, to be in personally engaged but do they they think about how they can at least for part of that give a witness to christ uh, uh, do people when they're uh, online with one another uh, think about just pausing for a spontaneous prayer mm. for one another mm. um, i think that that would be very helpful what i might call the it doesn't have to be one-on-one -on -one, but you sure. know the sort of a personal circle i don't know if that makes sense i mm -hmm. suspect you both use uh, 
media more than I do, even for that kind of communication. But does that make sense as, mm -hmm. as a, a way to be a missionary? It does. And I was actually going to ask you that question because... Uh, oh, I'm you, sorry if I messed No, no, up no, here. because the, the, I keep my eyes keep... I have your document in front of me and my, my eyes keep drawing back to that fifth red flag, this the spirit of division. And I, I see it so much, like it, it weighs so heavily on me, maybe even because of what's happened in the pandemic, our, our communication with one another really went to um, a digital type of communication. And both broadly and personally, I, I'm somebody that uses social media a lot, Mike would tell you, and there just seems to be such division, even amongst people that are, um, you know, like-minded and, and want the good of the kingdom and the person of Jesus to come forward. There's just such fighting and ugliness and attacks on people and viciousness. And so I was going to ask you, you know, if there's some concrete advice you have, like your red flags are so good, but then like to people like me and our listeners, right? Because I'm assuming our listeners are people that have a familiarity with the digital age. Like what are some things we should be doing to be good disciples on on the digital airways, you know? What are some very concrete things that we can do to kind of fight some of those red flags? Well, uh, I mean, there's a, a virtue that uh, is the contrary of each of these red flags. Right. But maybe a, a, a spiritual practice that would be useful is uh, just a moment of reflection before going on a platform or engaging in some uh, connection on uh, the, through digital media. Mm -hmm. is uh, pause a moment and say, uh, how can I make things better? How, yeah. how, can, I, how can I be of servant uh, to the, the two, three people I'm, I'm going to be in contact with? What's the Holy, why is the Holy Spirit letting me have this moment? Yeah, and that's how, how can I build, build the other people up? Mm -hmm. But I'd go back to the, the point about fear. Mm -hmm. uh, fear is useless. What's needed is faith. And uh, we are in challenging times. I, yeah. I don't mean the, the, the kind of confidence I'm speaking about is not a Pollyanna optimism, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but Christ has won the victory. Yeah. And uh, we, we need to rest confident in that, even as the martyrs did uh, when, by human standards, uh, things were pretty bleak. Yep. Well, going back to what I like you said earlier, Archbishop, as well, like um, earlier you were referencing this uh, sentiment, which I, I, I really heard as keeping um, the humanity in mind. You know, the Internet is not just this jumble of wires and um, ones and zeros, but there's actual human beings. There's souls. On souls. The there end. are souls yeah. involved. Right, right, Mike? Right, right. And so, you know, and times it can be... I mean, I think it really stretches us to love our enemy, you know, uh, to, to forgot, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You know, it, this is a time that really stretches us in that kind of white martyrdom or to be like Christ in how we view these other souls, which um, may vehemently disagree with us or might be nasty or, or whatnot. But um, yeah, there's a, real, there's a real opportunity there to love when it's not easy to love. And that's where disciples and saints are made, right? Um, exactly. So, it, our Lord, our Lord knew it wouldn't be easy for us, and right. and so you know, talk about truth telling. He came right out and said it. You know, unless you're willing to take up your cross and come after me, you can't be my disciple. Yeah, just yeah. gonna. That's how it is. If the world loved me, it would love you too. Right. Well, that's hard, I think, because sometimes, you know, uh, you know, you talk about people being what they call trolls, and that's where, you know, they, they just go on 
and they leave nasty comments and in com boxes and whatnot and they just and there's a because of their anonymity they feel that they can get away with saying things which they, they probably in real life would never say to another human's face we kind of talked about earlier um but even if we're not making those comments i know a tendency that i have is even in my mind i can forget about the human being so even though i don't jump on the com box and make a negative comment in my own mind and heart i'm thinking about that person as less than human which is a fault on my part i'm kind of i'm the beginning stages of a troll if you will um without actually writing something and so i think it's really i love your point about keeping in mind the humanity that is an other human person on the other end another soul on the other end of that computer or phone or whatever um is huge so well, two things about that, Mike. Uh, first, uh, about people who do the trolling. Uh, you may be anonymous in this world, but right. mm. you will have to. Yeah. You will be presented before Christ and His judgment, right. uh, and, and an account will be given. And then, in terms of, of all of us forgetting uh, about our neighbor, uh, loving our neighbor as ourself, and that that's always a challenge. Uh, whether we're talking about somebody we can connect with digitally or mm-hmm. somebody we're in line at with at, uh, at the grocery store mm-hmm. uh, to grow in an attitude and awareness that this is somebody that Jesus thinks was worth dying for. Mm-hmm. That uh, if, if this person who I know is a jerk, I mean, I'm not, I mean, some people are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, we don't yeah. lie to ourselves. Some people behave that way. Right. Uh, and, and we recognize it. But uh, our Lord, if, if that were the only person in the world, Christ would gladly have died just for that person. That's what I try to think about. And uh, it helps me, helps me love the other person. Yeah. We can't do these things with our own uh, force, our own strength. We, right. we have to have right. the spirit of Jesus because we're talking about acting like Jesus and right. acting in his, his example and power. This is such a, a timely conversation for me because just a little bit of background information as I kind of came in today and met with Mike before we started recording. I was on you know, social media and saw some things that, that had me really upset. And these are just such good reminders. They're real foundational, you know, to remember that these are souls, these are humans, to take a moment of reflection. Are we making the world better? Things like this to be really aware of, you know, to remember that that Christ is still in control and his kingdom is there and and we get to discern with him where he wants our voice of truth to be. So such a, and again, the reason I'm mentioning this is because I find this letter to be so very timely and, and needed, and I know it will be so helpful. I'm sure that our listeners can access it at um, Unleash the Gospel. Is where I'd assume, right? If you, Mike, wouldn't you say if yeah. you go, if you go to the Google and you go to Unleash the Gospel <laughs> uh, website, they would have a copy of this letter. And I know it was emailed out. I received it in my email. Right? Wouldn't that be a good place to start to to yep. read this? And it's not. I I say this in love and charity, Archbishop Ingram. It's not like super long, so it's you don't have to commit to, you know. A month of reading. It's it's, it's real six practical. pages on my yeah, it's, computer. It's, yeah, so I mean, I could handle it with my house full of little ones reading it. It's it's a really good letter, and we really encourage anybody that's listening to this podcast to not only read it but then to share it with people because I think it's it's a prophetic um, document at a at a moment where it's needed. So to make sure to get people in the Archdiocese of Detroit reading this. Um, is there anything else that you want to share? Kind of just that was on your heart when you wrote this or anything that maybe we didn't cover in our discussion about this document? 
maybe just to make this point that yeah. uh, while I try to offer some uh, fatherly pastoral advice, I offer the best some of the you know the best advice I can. I don't want anybody to think that I've got this down myself. Right. <laughs> uh, I need I need this these reminders too. I'm mm -hmm. I'm still on the way, and uh, you know the tagline usually is every preacher winds up preaching to himself. Right. <laughs> you preach what you what you know from your own experience is needed. So yeah. we're all on this journey of growing in holiness together. Thank you for saying that. So this is our point in the podcast where we get to ask you, Archbishop Vigneron, questions that the faithful have submitted. If you are listening and you have a question, please feel free to email us at eyesonjesuspodcast at aod.org. Make sure to include your name and your parish and, of course, your question. So our first question comes from Chris at St. Louis de Merillac, and he says, why is philosophy so important slash connected to the study of theology? Mary, when I uh, saw this question from your notes, I started to laugh to myself because uh, I spent years in graduate school just on this topic. So <laughs> I think I need to, you know, stop me if, if you need to. Uh, philosophy, philosophy is a form of human achievement. It's an excellence that makes ultimate distinctions that help uh, clarify uh, what is. I mean, sometimes it's about uh, particular things like what bravery is, uh, what a human being is. Uh, sometimes it goes to the very fullest extent of asking, what does it mean for a thing to even exist? That's mm. uh, sort of the ultimate philosophical question. And uh, the wisdom that is attainable in that way uh, is uh, complementary to, it fills out uh, the truth that uh, Christ is and that he brought with him when he came into the world, the revelation. Mm -hmm. And so uh, they are mutually illuminating these two, uh, St. John Paul calls them two wings mm -hmm. to ascend to the truth, veritatis uh, splendor. And uh, we need uh, uh, philosophy, is two particular helps to theology. One, it helps us uh, uh, appreciate and, and deepen our awareness of the mysteries of faith. For example, we use a philosophical term, consubstantial, to talk about how uh, the Son is God and what we mean by that. Uh, that would be a very good example. And also, uh, philosophy can set up boundaries uh, for the explanation of the mysteries of faith. When our, our seminarians in Detroit, they study both theology and philosophy, right? Yeah, How take does that uh, the equivalent of a, a major in uh, undergraduate major in philosophy. Philosophy, very cool. Be, philosophy is for theology what uh, bi biology, biochemistry is for medicine. Okay. Hmm. You can you can be a communications major uh, and want to go into med school, but uh, you're going <laughs> to have to have the sciences. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we get engineers uh, yes. who want to be priests, but they're yeah. going to have to have uh, a grounding in philosophy. That's hmm. great. Archbishop, our second question comes from Mike at St. Fabian, and he asks, um, why do the Chaldeans or the other non-Roman Catholics here in Detroit have a different bishop than yourself? 
it's the way the this, this is about the way the church is organized and so uh, you and i we belong to what technically is called the latin church and uh, the each part of the church particular church is identified by its uh, rituals and customs so we follow the the we celebrate the liturgy of the the latin church we follow the liturgical year of the latin church we have a spirituality that was developed uh, in the west in the latin church uh, there are other uh, ritual churches the chaldean is one there some are centered out of Antioch. Uh, some are centered out of Constantinople. And from Constantinople, uh, out in, in Slavic areas. Uh, some in Ethiopia. So, I mean, it has to do with the history of the church, where the church was planted, and how uh, she grew from these various uh, uh, branches. So the difference is that uh, while we all belong to the one Catholic church, uh, we belong to the Catholic Church through a, a, a particular, identifiable, uh, particular church. Mm -hmm. And it has to do with the heritage that we come from. Unless somebody becomes a convert, and then you could be a, a convert from, say, uh, a, a Protestant community and, and join the Chaldean Church, for example. But they have their own bishop because they have their own uh, forms of church life. Mm -hmm. Do you does the the Chaldean bishop? Is there a Chaldean bishop that resides in the Archdiocese of Detroit? There is, and actually, okay. uh, there is uh, for all the members of the ritual churches in the world. There is a bishop in the United States, except for the uh, the Ethiopian and the uh, Eritrean. Uh, Catholics. They don't have a bishop in the United States. Hmm. So but everybody mean, else does. They don't all live in Detroit. Only right. only the Chaldean bishop does. But the Maronites have, have actually two bishops in the United States. Uh, the Melkites have a bishop. Uh, the Ukrainians have a bishop. The Ruthenians hmm. have a bishop. Everybody but uh, the Ethiopians and the Eritreans. Hmm. So when you meet as bishops, as like the USCCB, is that only Latin Rite bishops, no. or do you also invite? It's it's everybody. No, not invite. They are uh, full members of oh, the crazy. conference. Oh, I, I don't think I knew that. That's so interesting. Very cool. Uh, the only thing they can't participate in is when we uh, make norms or uh, authorize translations for the the liturgical books mm -hmm. of the Latin church. Because theirs right. are different, right? Like they use different liturgical books. Right. Not the content, obviously the prayers are the same, but different um, small T traditions within their expression of faith, right? Right. I mean, uh, if you've ever been to the Chaldean liturgy, they use yeah. a, a very different uh, format and a different okay. Eucharistic prayer, which is quite ancient, really. Yeah. It's beautiful. But one of the beauties of all of this is to recognize that uh, the spiritual wealth of uh, the, the light of Christ is too great to be captured in any one format. Mm -hmm. Well, our final question comes from Declan, uh, Declan at St. Francis Cabrini, and he says, The Detroit Catholic once had an article about you blessing the salt mines of Detroit. Other than that, what is one of the most unusual or unique things that you have been asked to bless? 
You know, nothing comes immediately to mind in response to that. Uh, everything fades in comparison with that uh, seemingly interminable ride down the elevator <coughs> without any electricity, <laughs> yeah. going down hundreds of feet under the city. Crazy. But uh, it, it was, uh, you know, Declan is right. Uh, yeah. that, uh, that is unique and unusual. Mm -hmm. But uh, the, in every blessing, uh, I think maybe it's easy enough to understand blessing a, a religious object, uh, yeah. uh, bless a, a holy picture, bless a rosary. Uh, but I saw a, a Detroit Catholic online the other day, uh, the friars out at the, the retreat house in Washington had a mm -hmm. blessing of tools on Father's mm -hmm. Day. Mm -hmm. uh, even blessing of those kinds of objects, say, uh, secular objects, blessing of pets, yep. it is all part of a, an ecology, an attitude to, to creation, that creation needs to, uh, we have through Christ, uh, the authority to liberate the elements of creation from the domination of sin and bring it into the service of the kingdom of God where it belongs. So that, that and every blessing is always a thanksgiving to God for this, this good thing, tools. Uh, one of the most important is to bless our food. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the blessing of our food is an acknowledgement of the Lordship of God and his goodness, because food is, is such an elemental part of human life. Archbishop, is there anything specific that we can pray for you? This, uh, any intentions that you have for this next between episodes in our next month that we can pray for you? Well, uh, I'm not sure when this will go out on the air, but uh, we are certainly in these days when we make the transition to families of parishes for the wave one parishes, mm. and I think uh, that uh, I'd like the support of everybody's prayers for that really significant uh, uh, move in the life of our local church. It's an epical change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Archbishop, if you wouldn't mind, would you close us with a, a closing blessing and prayer? Yes. Uh, I'm going to use uh, Pope Francis's prayer to St. Joseph. St. Joseph, guardian of the Redeemer, spouse of the Blessed Virgin Mary, to you God entrusted his only son. In you Mary placed her trust. With you Christ became man. Blessed Joseph, to us too, show yourself a father and guide us in the path of life. Obtain for us grace, mercy, and courage, and defend us from every evil. Amen. And may Amen. Almighty God bless all of you listeners and those you love. Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Archbishop. And thank you again for writing this pastoral note. It was really great for us to converse about. Oh, you're welcome. Stay tuned for the next episode of Eyes on Jesus, a new episode every month. And if you enjoyed listening, you might also like Detroit Stories, a podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit. Find it on your favorite podcast app.